I said to James um, this morning that if the, if the broadcast doesn't work, just show the one from last week. But there's a, a very much a different feel uh, here this week as I preach, as I share with you uh, what God has laid on my heart. Uh, what is the church? An introduction. It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a crazy sermon uh, to be able to preach about the church and what is the church and what does the church do and how does the church function? How is the church more than just a building? How is the church more than uh, just uh, 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 some bricks and mortar and a, uh, a sort of collection of, uh, of bricks and electric and lights. And our uh, gathering today is full of cameras and a small number of people. Simply put, the church is the people. You know that. Many of you that are sitting there from Bethel this morning, you know that the church is the people. But the church is God's plan. God's plan is to gather his people together, to bring his people together that we might worship him. That is God's plan. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a thing, it's an organism, it's a living, breathing uh, gathering of God's people. It's an incredible thing, the church. And I believe that the church works and doesn't work and that the devil doesn't want the church to work. He doesn't want us to gather. He doesn't want us to come together. Some people have said the churches have been closed. I've got to tell you deep from my heart this morning, the churches have never been closed. And when the government tells me that now you can reopen church, I'm like, Hello, the church has never been closed. God's people have remained God's people. We've been gathering maybe in smaller groups or online or Zooming or phoning or connecting with one another, but the church isn't closed and the church has never been closed. The internet tells me, you'll be excited by this, and this could be a test from last week to see who was watching, that in, uh, the, in the world there are 37 million separate weekly gatherings. I think that's quite a lot. There'd be a test for you to perhaps go and visit, do a, do a tour of the world and go and try and visit all of those. It would be impossible and you'd never be able to do it. There are 34,000 different denominations in the world. And at this current moment, depending on what happens at the end of this sermon, whether people give their lives to Christ, there are 2.4 billion Christians. We believe at Bethel that God is going to bring more people to him and to give their lives to him. So we'd love to see that figure going up in Wales, wouldn't we? Going up in the UK where God pours out his spirit and more and more people give their lives to him. What does the Bible say? Well, the Old Testament uses a Hebrew word called kwahal and this is found in Deuteronomy 4 verse 10 and this particular Hebrew word is used as an assembly or a gathering so Moses gathered the people and it was called this wonderful Hebrew word kwahal and it was in Deuteronomy 4 verse 10 and Moses got those people together God's people his people he gathered them together they spent time in God's presence and Moses shared some incredible things with them in the New Testament, it's the word ecclesia, and the word ecclesia is used 115 times, and it's used for the body of the faithful or for the called out ones. Isn't that a beautiful phrase that we're called out, we're called out of the world, and we're called into something that is called an ecclesia. We're called out of the world into this body, this wonderful, wonderful body, this expression, this reflection of God in this particular place. In Jamaica, 
Oh, I was going to ask you a question. Where in the world are there the most gatherings of Christians? You've already guessed, haven't you? And for those people that were here last week, it's Jamaica that they're the most gatherings per square mile. And I think that, that's absolutely amazing because if I was going to guess, I wouldn't have guessed Jamaica. But if you're watching from Jamaica, uh, send us a message and uh, tell us whether you think that is true. That's a little bit of an introduction. I know the sermon is an introduction. There's a little bit of an introduction into what I'm going to share with you this morning. So what is the church? We know that the church is a gathering of its people. It's a beautiful, beautiful gathering. I love the church. I was, bought, I was brought into a, a church gathering, a, an ecclesia as we would understand it, when I was a baby. There's a picture of me in my mum's arms. Uh, I was born in 1967, so it was probably 1967 or 1968. My mum uh, wearing 60s clothes um, and my two brothers and my dad. Uh, there's a picture of me on my dedication day. I was a, a little baby, so it's probably 67. I was brought into this gathering of the called out ones, gather, the gathering of the faithful uh, over there in King's Heath in Birmingham. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful expression. But it doesn't always work out, does it? It doesn't always work out. Because, and I believe it doesn't always work out because we lose our focus. We lose our focus and we look at the wrong things and we do things perhaps in a, a, an ungodly way or in a way that, that Jesus wouldn't want us to do these particular things. We are the church. We don't go to church. And you know that. And you know, you're going to me, John, come on, give me something better. Give me something deeper. Give me something more dynamic and more exciting. Well, if God's people would just be the church, and they would gather together and do things as Christ would want them to do. And the expression of that gathering was drawing uh, God's people together, the called out ones that were drawn out of the world into this beautiful, beautiful gathering. I believe that this, this place of Bethel and the other gatherings would be completely different places. We, I, I love the, uh, the thoughts of gathering and scattering. Gathering and scattering. And sometimes our churches are so meeting heavy that we have meeting after meeting after meeting, activity in the building, action in the building, this group, that group, that group, and we just spin in around and around and around, come together and then scatter, gather and scatter, and go and be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever it is that he's called you to be. So what is it? What is the church? And I've done uh, a little bit of uh, praying. You'd be really, really pleased. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we set out this series, uh, Chris, Meg, and myself. We set out this series, and uh, I, yeah, I was going to preach this first sermon. I, I really, really didn't know how it was going to go or where it was going to go. Uh, and I, I was troubled by it. You can read books, you can read commentaries, and I believe that God really gave me a picture as I was praying with a small group of people a couple of weeks ago. God gave me this acrostic picture, and I've got to be faithful to this, and I believe that it was genuinely God that gave me this. And it's just simple that Christ is the head and you are coming home. Christ is the head and you are coming home. You see, we're away from God, aren't we? We're lost in our sin. We're distant from him. But churches, Christ is the head. It's all about him. And you are coming home. 
Your, your, your church gathering your, as the called out ones of the faithful, it should be a place of home. It should be a place of safety. It should be a place of security. It should be a place of love. It should be a place of encouragement. It should be a place of blessing. And we know sometimes that as we gather together, it can be harder to gather together than be on our own. And some people say to me, I've had it with the church. I've had it with the gathering of the called out ones. And if you're one of the called out ones, I'd encourage you to be the called out ones. You're coming home. I don't know what Paul and Ree said about church because I, I couldn't hear because we were, I was inside. But I, I know for them, they found a place of home. They've play, found a place where they belong. And it's a, it, it's, it's a place of the called out ones, of the faithful together. And that Christ is the head and you are coming home. I'm going to read for you from uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 uh, through to 22. And then I'm just going to share a few thoughts on this and I'm going to pray for you. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or rule, or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies by your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's a really, really meaty uh, passage from the Bible, but it really will explain what it is that uh, I'm going to share with you quickly this morning. Firstly, we need to understand the gospel. And the gospel is that when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve fell, when Adam ate that apple and sin came into the world, we were separated from God. Sin divides us. Sin separates human beings from God. We were separated. We were divided. And what we understand from that is that we were distant from God. We were divided. We were separated from him. In other words, we were not home. We were not at peace and we were not parts of God's family. There was the great, what they call the great chasm or the great divide. That's not a good thing. It's not a good place. And we understand that to be original sin and the fall. But then we understand that God sent Jesus into this world and it's, it's, it's pure, it's perfect, it's wonderful when we understand that God sent Jesus in this world to bridge the chasm, to bridge the gap, to bridge the separation that's between human beings and between God. And that Jesus came and he gave his life for you so that you might have a relationship with God so that that great chasm, that great divide between you and God might be filled with Jesus. 
and that if you accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, your very best friend, that Jesus took your sin on himself. And that as, as a Christian, as the called out ones, as part of God's family, you come home, you're at peace, and you're part of his family. And so many people try to fill that chasm, try and fill that divide with so many things, doing good things, um, earning money, being a great father or a great, uh, a great dad. And, and all these things are really important, but, but to, to bridge that gap between human beings and God, we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior and our very, very best friend. If you've got your Bibles open, just follow through the next few verses with me, and then we'll come to land in about five minutes. Verse 17, Christ is in all things, and in him all things hold together. I don't know what's going on in your life. I think some people have forgotten about COVID. COVID is very real, and it's very, very dangerous, and lots of difficult things are happening in our nation and all across the world. But we, we recognize in verse 17 that Christ is in all things. He's in your life. He's in your situation. He's in what's going on. But in him, all things hold together. So when we have the great great chasm between ourselves and God. In him, all things hold together. Whatever you're going through, you put your trust in Jesus. In him, all things hold together. Everything begins with him. He's strong, safe, and secure. He is our savior. If it doesn't look or sound like Jesus, stay away. Stay away. If it doesn't look and sound like Jesus, stay away. Christ is in all things, and in him all things hold together. You see, we try, to, uh, we, we try to do things in a different way. It's all through Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. Verse 18, and I've got to tell you some great news. I'm not in charge. That's great news, isn't it? Chris isn't in charge. Meg isn't in charge. Um, the trustees of Bethel aren't in charge. The core team aren't in charge. The heads of ministries aren't in charge. You know what? You're not in charge because Christ is the head of the body, the church. Verse 18, read it for yourself, absorb it, understand it. Christ is the head. It doesn't matter how important you are, how special you are, how amazing and anointed you are. You're not in charge. Christ is the head. He's the head of the body. He's in charge. He's the number one. He is the one. Not me, not anyone else. I'm just someone here that's using their gifts and called, been called by God to serve here. Verse 19, God allowed, and this is beautiful, and you understand now why Christ needs to be the head, that God allowed all the fullness to dwell in him. Jesus is pure, perfect, and powerful. God allowed all of his fullness to dwell in Jesus. Verse 20, he reconciled all things to himself. You see, you've been reconciled. When I was younger, we used to sing a song, I'm reconciled, I'm reconciled. And I just remember that over and over again in my head. What does reconciled mean? You've been brought back. God has brought you back into that great, pure, perfect relationship with him. Once you were not 
the people of God, and then through Jesus, then you become part of God's family. You've been, he's reconciled all things to himself. He's brought you into a right relationship with him. I don't know where you are today and what's going on, but he's brought you into a right relationship with him. Through his death, through his blood, through his resurrection, through his ascension into heaven, and one day we'll return to this earth. He's reconciled all things to himself. So Christ must be the head and you are coming home. You're coming home to him. If you've come home, that's great. But if you don't know him and you've not received him as your Lord and Savior, come home. Restless ones, come home. Troubled ones, come home. Those of you that are fighting this this morning, come home to him. Verse 21, once you are alienated from God, you understand now about the great chasm between us and between God. We were separated. We're distant from him. And that distance can happen then when you die. Because if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll be alienated from him for all eternity. Hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. We had a funeral in this church on Wednesday. And we know that Jeff Barrington has gone to heaven and he's gone to be with Jesus. Why? Because he's a great guy. Why? Because he supports Cardiff City. No, because he believes in Jesus Christ and he's committed and given his life to him. You see, once even Jeff Barrington was alienated from God, God, but through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his salvation that's only found in him, he then is in heaven for all eternity. Verse 22, he has reconciled you without blemish and free from accusation. You see, I don't mind where you've been, what you've done. We welcome everyone. Jesus welcomes everyone. Jesus died for everyone but you're brought back without blemish and free from accusation. Some people remember their past lives. They go into it. They repeat it. They go over and over and over the same things. I want to tell you that you're free from blemish when you come and give your life to Christ. You're free from blemish and you're free from accusation. It's a beautiful thing. The world will still say, wasn't that that Meg Tynan that was like this? Wasn't that that Luke Hall that was like this? Wasn't that that John Hall that was like this? Wasn't it that Chris Bullock? Wasn't it that Rachel English? Oh, that Rachel English, she used to be like that. Where are the accusers now? The woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus said, who accuses you now? And I want to encourage you this morning that it's time for you to come home. Come home, stop battling this, stop fighting this, and give your life to Christ. I want to pray. I want to pray for every single person. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. I gave my life to Christ at 21, and my life's never, ever been the same. Come home to this place of rest. This place of sanctuary, this place of safety, this place of forgiveness, this place of peace. Come home. Come home and give your life to Christ. He's here. He understands. He knows. And if you're going away and you're into some stuff and you're disobedient from him, just come home. You're free from accusation. You're free from blemish. And he give you a new life, give you a new purpose. And he'll fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit. So just before I hand over to Chris and Rachel, just want to pray. There's no rush now. You've probably drunk your coffee and you might not be in your pajamas now. But the Holy Spirit can be speaking to you right, right at this moment. 
We really feel the presence of God here in this building. Christ is the head and you're coming home. He wants you home. He wants you to be part of the faithful, the called out ones, the gathering, the assembly of God's people. He calls you home. He's speaking to you. He's speaking into your life. He wants you home. The great chasm that Jesus, Jesus spanned and stretched across that. Stretched out his arms on the cross. And every single moment that Jesus hung on that cross, he said he loves you, cares for you, and he wants you to come home. So let's pray and I hand over to Chris and Rachel. Father God, I feel so honored to preach, to preach this message. Not, uh, not for me, but on your behalf. So much we want people to see you, Jesus. We want people to know you. We want people to understand you. We want people to open up their hearts to you. It's the only way. It's the only way to find peace. It's the only way to find rest. Come home. Come home into the arms of Jesus and be part of his family, his church. Not the bricks and mortar, but his gathering of his people. Gather and scatter, gather and scatter. So, Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that doesn't know you. Or for those that have been apathetic and those that have been struggling and distant from you and wondering whether uh, they should, should fully give their lives to you. Pray that you would do the work that it is that you set out to do with this time of worship this morning. Lord, touch people. Shift things in people's lives. Move mountains if, if needs be. And bring the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit into people's lives like never before. And we promise, Lord, that we'll give you all the honor. We'll give you all the praise. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.